Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and you, friend of the pod, are a naked mole rat, I guess. <laughs> Today, we will not squander what we're meant to steward. So, we're going to be talking about the power we have to make significant changes to our planet. And Will Ditzler is here to tell, to help us better understand the broken place of decay. But before we discuss the brokenness between Adam and Adama, now that they've been made only a little lower than God, let's welcome in our favorite spring crocuses, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. And Good. Will Ditzler's here. Hey, Will. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Yay! <laughs> Will, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the setup we have going here, but don't mind the, the sound bites. It's just just part it's, of it's, it's just a, something we tolerate. It's we better than the burden that we have to bear. It's better if <laughs> it actually inter, interrupts all of all of you. So <laughs> and, it, and it usually so, does. Yeah. Uh, Will, thank you so much for being here. Um, you are here because we are in the middle of Hope Month, and you are passionate about this. And so we invited you to come. Actually, we were talking about right before we started the show. Like, I wanted to talk to you about this topic before COVID ever happened. And right before COVID, we were entering into like, all right, maybe March 2020 or April 2020 or whatever. And then March 2020, there's nothing going on that month. (laughs) Yeah. But then COVID happened. And obviously, but as you said, this, it makes better contextual sense to, to do it now. So really glad you're here. Thanks for making the time. Yeah. You're welcome. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah. So I wanted to bring you in because you are passionate about the broken place of decay and healing the broken place of decay. And for friends of the pod uh, out there, it, you if you've been attending services for the past couple of weeks, you know that we are in the middle of Hope Month. And this year we are focusing on the broken place of decay and what God thinks about decay and or God thinks about our planet and how we can enter into uh, healing that. And so I wanted to just kind of get your initial story a little bit because um, ever since I've known you, you've you've talked about uh, this topic and your passion for these areas. And so I, I'm really interested in hearing how this all began and um, when you learned like this was this was the thing that you kind of were born yeah. to to care about. Yeah, the, everybody's got a backstory, right? I. Um it started really when I was pretty young, like a lot of things that you identify about how you're wired. Uh, but my, my grandpa had a, a farm uh, with a barn and, you know, and he and my dad were always working on something mechanical, you know, a, a vehicle or something. And I, I just would slip away uh-huh. and go down into the woods and mm-hmm. I was, and I just never had an interest in the mechanical stuff, mm-hmm. but I, but I always had an interest in turning over the rocks down in the Creek or yeah. <laughs> fishing or just being out in the woods. Yeah. Um, and I was just a little kid at that time, but I look back now and that was probably the first signs that I was just sort of wired to want to be in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I've, now after having a couple kids, I see some of these things that you're just kind of born that yeah. way. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, um, so my heart for the broken place of planet started at, at the early age. And, yeah. and I do think there's a percentage of people and I've thought about this. I, I think it's a smaller percentage, but you know, a certain percentage of people are just really born to have that innate yeah. mm-hmm. land ethic, conservation ethic, yep. whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that's one, one reason I'm glad you're here is because I, I don't, I've never been, I've never been against healing decay, but it's been like, (laughs) it's been like one of the, the most challenging things to see myself in the story of healing decay. Like I, uh, 
I don't garden. Confessions. I don't, I, don't <laughs> I, I can't afford a hybrid car. I probably can't afford solar panels. I like air conditioning. I like smoking meats. So like, where, where do I see myself in this broken place? And so you're right. I think, um, some people are born, you know, if, if you've read Dave Rodriguez's book, it's like some mm-hmm. people just are naturally inclined to gear to, uh, gear toward specific broken places. So, um, you are the, I was reading your website before the show. So you, there's a couple interesting things. Um, you are the chair of the board of the nature conservancy conservancy, uh, Indiana chapter, right? What is, what is that? Can you share with us what, what that is and kind of what your involvement is? Yeah. Um, and that kind of, will go back to a little bit more of the story. Um, but it's the nature conservancy is the largest nonprofit conservation organization in the world. So there's over 4,000 employees globally, a lot of them scientists who are passionate and dedicated to uh, biodiversity. And and basically the mission of the Nature Conservancy is to support the life and waters on which all life depends. Yeah. Mm. And so um, when I was uh, at, in school, I was studying business, but my senior year in Bloomington, I took uh, a class called environmental biology. And that was really the turning point for me as more of an adult mm. to wanting to, to kind of head this direction. Um, it was the most amazing class I ever took. It talked about ecology and population dynamics and biodiversity and ecosystems and things that, you know, I just was just, I was like, man, I love this class. So yeah. never missed the class. Yeah. E- even the day after uh, you <laughs> won the final, the, uh, the national championship, I went to the class and there was like 10 people there oh, yeah. and I was, I was one of them. Yeah. I gotta be there. Uh, Cause they're perfect attendance. All night, but uh, cause I love that, that class so much. And so mm. the, how that ties into the nature conservancy is I then started joining these organizations like the nature conservancy, uh, the Sierra club, these different ones. I didn't know a lot about them, but, and then I started volunteering for the nature conservancy doing habitat work here in, in Indiana on the weekends. Yeah. So doing invasive species control, prescribed burns, removing cattle fencing, doing forestry work. They, and, and then I've, you know, found out, wow, this is really fun. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love this. So, but back to the nature conservancy, it's, it's um, every state has a chapter and each chapter has a board of trustees. And I've been on the board for about five years. And then I just finished being the board chair for the last two years. Okay. And then, so now I'm transitioning into leading their uh, capital campaign and we're trying to raise $40 million over the next five years to do conservation work just in the state of Indiana. Mm. Wow. So you, you shared this past weekend kind of uh, bullet points of what you're, what you're passionate about, but mm-hmm. if you could kind of summarize it, like what areas there's Barry kind of broke down like four or five different areas of creation care that Grace church is going to enter into uh, caring about and, and sustaining for the, for the future. But what area, like what areas are you, drawn to the most? So the, the, the areas I'm drawn to the most are probably the, the biodiversity and then the, the wildlife component. Yeah. So, so what does that mean? Well, you know, if, if, if we believe that God created everything, right. So every species, every insect, every, I know like people don't like snakes or whatever, but every, <laughs> yeah. he made yeah. everything. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, in terms of this is kind of where my heart breaks, but then also it shows you where the passion is. Any species that we, through our human activities, eliminate from the earth mm. is heart is heartbreaking, yeah, tragic. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're going to see 
significant extinction events in the next coming decades. It's, yeah. it's just on, that's where we're, that's where we're going. And so, you know, I'm having to deal with that um, in terms of even grieving the loss of, mm. of, of species that are not going to be able to adapt to, to the changing climate and to habitat destruction and things like that. So I've always, I have a real passion for wildlife. Now I also care about, you know, domesticated animals yeah. as well, but my passion would be more towards the, 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 the things that live out in, mm. in the yeah, wild sure. habitats um, and so like that's part where the nature conservancy is a lot about biodiversity, but including plant biodiversity, I yeah. mean, birds, plants, mammals, snakes, frogs, you name it. Like, yeah, I, I like to learn and know about all of it. So I spend a lot of time out in nature mm. and actually, uh, we own 200 acres of ground in Northern Indiana that oh. my hobby is restoring it and managing it. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Where in Northern oh, Indiana? Man. So it's in Miami County. Um, which is where I went to high school in Peru, Indiana. And that farm I was telling you about that my grandpa yeah. had. So um, now I own the farm and, mm-hmm. and uh, then bought some additional ground and uh, kind of reversing some of the things m- my grandpa did, like tearing out t- <laughs> tiles that he put into farm and turning it back into wetlands. Yeah. Wow. Planting yeah. trees where there was corn and beans. So on the 200 acres that, that I own, there's no corn and beans anymore. It's mm-hmm. all trees, you know, prairies, uh, wetlands, ponds and things like that. And so I've just literally spent thousands of hours in the last 30 years, um, doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I pretty much gave up golf and other things just cause I'd rather go do that. See, that's another thing. Like <laughs> I'm not against decay, but I really like golfing. Like that's I really, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Golf is green space. Sort okay. of. Yeah. It's like sort of yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's like painted sometimes. Yeah. Will yeah. do your kids help you with this, this restoration project? Yeah. I was going to ask uh, that too. I've, I've, if I pay them, they might, okay. um, I understand that, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a labor of love, right? I mean, it's hard work. Like yeah. I'm slugging out there with backpacks and, mm. and, you know, chainsaws. And I mean, I've literally almost killed myself one time dropping trees, you know, that I'm doing for dropping. <laughs> you, you would think cutting a tree is a bad thing, but if you understand forest ecology, yeah. there's certain, uh, timber stand improvement or forestry management practices that you do to improve the health of the forest, oh. uh, whether it's invasive species management or like girdling a certain tree, that's a lower quality wildlife. So, um, anyway, I've had, <laughs> I've, you know, tractors and, and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, but you really got to like it. Cause it's, yeah. it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, you know, as I get older, I'm like hiring some younger people to help me, but, <laughs> but my kids, uh, they, they won't do it unless, yeah. you know, it's not a yeah. passion. Unless there's some big dollars yeah. involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so another interesting thing that your website says is that you've planted 75,000 church, uh, churches, trees. <laughs> Man, <laughs> God plant- is happy with me, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> wow, great job. Yeah. Trees and churches. Uh, you've planted 75,000 trees and your life goal is 100,000. Right. How long mm-hmm. does it take to plant 75,000 trees? 30 years is where was what I've been doing now. And, um, just to clarify, I, I, I would estimate half of those I've physically planted myself with a shovel. Mm. The other half, I either had other people helping me with shovels or I've hired mechanical contractors that'll mm-hmm. come in with a tractor and a mechanical tree planter mm. and put them in by the thousands. Wow. Yeah. So, um, for instance, I took 40 acres of ground out of farm production a few, five years ago and planted about, um, 
50,000, you know, I'm sorry. That was about, that was about 38,000 trees. I think goodness. it was. And I had those planted by a professional. Oh yeah, my to goodness. Do that. But uh, you know, for a lot of the, the, if you're interested in tree planting, the Indiana state nursery, which is a part of the DNR has tree seedlings for sale every spring at a really low cost. Mm. So, you know, you can go on their website and it's real easy to go. Oh, I'll take a hundred of these and a hundred of those, yeah. 500 of those. And then they <laughs> then show up to and go, to I got to plant these things. <laughs> so my yeah. wife's like, are you done planting trees? Yet? <laughs> but every year I would order a thousand or 2000. And then, and then I'd also have these bigger projects. And I, I don't know exactly how many trees I've planted, but that's my estimate. I'm pretty close that it's 75,000. And, and, and if you come up to my property, you'll see now trees that I planted 30 years ago that are, you know, 40 feet tall and, yeah. and 10 inches in diameter. I'm like, I planted that. Yeah, that's cool. That yeah. is cool. Or wow. even forests that are there wow. that weren't there. And I'm like, that's a forest. And I planted it. Wow. It's mm. pretty cool. That mm. is pretty cool. What's not cool is imagining in the leaf pickup, <laughs> like in the fall, like this is a woods, man. We don't mess with that. Oh, you don't mess with it. Leaf litter is yeah, good right. for, for okay. I wouldn't even know like where, I mean, obviously you've studied this, but like what kinds of trees do you choose to mm. plant by the thousands? Do you have a favorite uh, or a specific species that you're like, I just love that we're getting these back in Indiana or anything like that? Well, that's actually great because, um, you know, part of the decay, right, is the loss of biodiversity through global trade and things like that. So if you've ever heard of the American chestnut, back in the early 1900s, the the American chestnut was was wiped out Mm. through a fungus that came from, I believe, Europe. Mm. It's most of the stuff comes from Eurasia, somewhere in Europe or Asia. These things are brought in as a part of, you know, trade and globalization, or sometimes even just purposely, like we bring this plant over from England when we're settling here and we think this is a great thing and then it causes a problem. Yeah. Mm. And so anyway, the American chestnuts were a dominant tree in the Eastern Appalachian and like Southern Indiana. They were like oaks are now, they were just everywhere. And, you know, like the, the, the song about chestnuts on the open fire, yeah. they yeah. Were, this is a big part of our forest. And so their American chestnut foundation is bringing the chestnuts back through genetic um, modification and it's, it's not GMO per mm-hmm. se, but it's, um, basically grafting genes from a Chinese chestnut into the American chestnut so that it can survive the, this fungus that lives in China. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So wow. it's, it's years of iteration of, uh, of basically, um, hybridizing this tree to be a 99% American chestnut, 1% Chinese chestnut so that we can reforest our forest. Yeah. So actually I've planted some, Mm-hmm. of those. And I'm monitoring them to see how they wow. do against the blight. Wow. But another tree I really like is uh, uh bald cypress hmm. and you can actually plant it in an upland environment, even though it's a wet tree, you might see the ones with the, the, the buttress trunks that grow in the swamps, like in Louisiana. Oh yeah. Tyler mm-hmm. knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I can picture Louisiana. Buttress oh, trunks. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's what happens when these trees grow in a wet environment. They, they become kind of fatter at the bottom yeah. to, to get oxygen. But an interesting note that people might be interested in is that the farthest northern extent of cypress swamps in the in the U.S. are in southern Indiana in Knox mm. County near Vincennes. Wow. So it is a native tree to Indiana, but it's more of a southern species. Sure. But it's it's a great tree. You should plant some out at your farm. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll do it. Um, so as you, as you think about Hope Month and you've been, you've been uh, involved at Grace for a while, mm-hmm. um, what do you wish, what, uh, if you could think about the people of Grace Church or uh, Christians in general, what do you wish people knew about the topic of creation care or healing decay that um, maybe, maybe they don't know or probably haven't heard yet? What do you wish they knew or felt? Yeah, 
it's, this is a hard thing because it, it's been a struggle for me. Um, I think I've talked with, I know I've talked with Barry about it, but yeah. it's been a real struggle for me to see culturally that I really don't fit in, um, in some ways with the Christian community and, it, yeah. and, and I'm having to process even some like, you know, anger or frustration with why are Christians not the most environmentally conscious people? Mm. Uh, so I guess I don't, that's what I would like people to, I'd like to challenge with that questions is yeah. why and I think I said it at one of the sorts, like, why aren't we in front of these issues rather than behind it? Yeah. yeah. And I don't completely understand it, but I've tried to talk to people and I, you know, with open conversations and try to have enough humility to understand it. But I think it has some things to do with um, Christianity's relationship to science mm-hmm. and to like, you know, worry that that's going to challenge the Bible and, or that God's got it all in control and he's coming back. So we don't really need to worry about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get how you could go there, but I don't really think that's what God would wants us to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to, to what Barry's been talking about, I mean, he made it, he cares about it. We're supposed to take care of it. Yeah. I, it just seems so basic to me that it's pretty heartbreaking for me to see, you know, Christians denying things like man's influence on climate change. Yeah. Um, it's just like, we've, that's not helping um, yeah. the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how do I explain I mean, it's really, it, there's times in my life where it's almost like I'm embarrassed mm. to mm. identify mm. with my faith because, yeah. not because of Jesus, I'm not embarrassed of that, yeah. but like people that care about some of the things that I care about, um, mm. the environment being one of them, um, would be like, oh, really? Like, like you probably... Like they would yeah, judge that I'm not going to care about this. Misconception. Yeah. Right. Because of their perception of what yeah. they see from statistics sure. or data or whatever mm-hmm. like that. So that's a long one to dance. No, that, that's really interesting. Cause I, I've thought a lot about this the past few weeks, just pick a broken place, you know, and there is misconceptions about almost all of them. Mm-hmm. And if you're super passionate about one and you're just like all in on whatever, it could be injustice. It could be hatred. It could be separation from God. Like those if you're super passionate about that topic, you you're right. You don't fit in all the time. And mm-hmm. it feels like you're ahead of everybody else or something. And they're kind of pulling the other way. Um, so I'm curious how, how have you found the ability to like have productive conversations and helpful conversations and conversations that connect you to, uh, the people who either are just now learning, like just now learning about these topics or are uh, disagree with you or something. How do you have like those helpful conversations? Yeah. So I, I mean, I have them even today. I had a, a client the other day who's a, you know, a, a very conservative Christian lives in Tennessee. He asked me, is climate change real? Yeah. And I, you know, in my head, I'm going, are you serious? Like I, I can't, you know, but I didn't say that. I said, yeah, it, it is. And, and here's, here's the science behind it. I mean, yeah. if you look at, yeah. um, I mean, I get it 20 years ago or even 30 years or even 10 years ago. I mean, I, I understand like it's maybe not that easy for everybody, but, um, the correlation of carbon in the atmosphere to the global temperatures is so linear that it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. And, um, I've seen Christian friends of mine and family members and stuff like that. Well, climate change isn't happening. This was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Okay. It's happening, but it's natural. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's happening. And it's, 
natural, but work also maybe influencing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's happening. It's not, maybe there's natural fluctuations, but yeah, we probably are, but there's nothing we can do about yeah, it. It's so it's like this progression. It's like, mm. well, sometimes I do feel hopeless. Like, can we do anything about it? But I'm going to sure try. Yeah. It's like, we could say that about any yeah. of the broken places, right? We yeah. could say, yes. well, poverty, it's never going to go away. So why are we going to worry about it? Right. That's the part I guess I would say to, to Christians is, um, we don't say with other broken places, oh, we're just not going to worry about it because it's too overwhelming. So don't do it with the care for mm. creation either. Yeah. Don't treat it differently. And that's why I'm so thankful that Grace is having the sermon series because I think there are people like me yeah. that felt that this broken place has gotten treated as like the, yeah. the sixth yeah. <laughs> that we mentioned <laughs> seventh. once in a while, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. we yeah. don't really, yeah. you know, want to go there or whatever, but we're going there and yeah, yeah. I'm super happy. <laughs> well, there's certainly people like you. Cause I mean, you brought Barry, you brought a couple of them on stage and Cheryl on video. Yeah. Uh, so there's definitely people like you, even yeah. in our midst, in our, in our community. Yeah. And um, I, and I will, we haven't really talked about this. I've had quite a few people come up to me with just gleaming eyes, just so excited that we're talking about this. And, and it, it is encouraging for so many people who have felt like outsiders that are like, Oh, this is amazing. My church is actually talking about the thing that God has put on my heart. And so it, it is, it's cool that we're, I, I'm happy that we're yeah. going there as well. Yeah. Thank you. So for the people that, uh, <laughs> I was telling, I don't know, Barry earlier today, I was like, Will Disler's just one of those guys that's just like, he, I, he's just cool. He gives off like the cool vibe. Like you on stage, you're like, yeah, I'm just glad we're talking about this. Uh, um, thank you. I'm passionate about this Peace. And like, you just saunter <laughs> off stage and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I want to be. And, and so, uh, for people who are new to this topic or say, say I live in an apartment, but I think I care about healing decay, but I don't have 200 acres or I don't have that, like how, how can people practically begin to get engaged into healing decay? That's a great question. Um, I mean, some, you know, like I'm the, I'm in the, the head of the clean energy part. I'm here at Grace, a volunteer, but um, one simple thing you can do is go on your utility provider's website and sign up to voluntarily purchase renewable power and pay, a, pay extra. No. So I pay an extra $10 a month and I live in a pretty big house, which is part of why I do this. Cause yeah. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, we've put solar into, and I have an electric car. I try to do those things, but not everybody, like you said, yeah. can afford to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think that's one simple thing you can do for probably five or eight or $10 a month. Yeah. You can go to Duke or Indianapolis Power and Light and say, I choose to voluntarily pay for renewables. Yeah. We're going to renewables anyway in the, in 10, yeah. in 10 years your power will be largely from renewables. What does that mean? Renewables. So that's solar and wind basically. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, um, you know, e- even the utility companies are ahead of, you know, yeah. the Christian yeah. community on these issues. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like NIPSCO has basically said our nice source, Northern Indiana um, is basically, they're going to stop burning coal by the end of this decade. Mm. So, um, you know, they have to, we have to, mm-hmm. um, that's the thing I guess I'd want people to know is it's, yeah. it's not a choice it's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has to happen. And it's just a matter of how much are we going to allow it to go on before we do something about it? Because if you look at like this year and what's going on in the world, it's like, you're starting to see what life's going to be like. I, the seed that I plant on my farms, I just got an email from the seed supplier saying that 
the seed supply is completely disrupted from Oregon and Washington state having all this heat fire they, because, and fires. They've yeah. lost their seed production. So the seed supply and costs are going through the roof mm-hmm. for some of these native seeds and stuff that I plant mm-hmm. on our property. Well, that's just one example yeah. of how our lives are going to get, you know, progressively disrupted by this. Yeah. And so anyway, I'm getting off on that tangent, but you, that's one simple thing you can do. Yeah. I mean, obviously recycling, um, you can support, um, you can support public officials that believe in and want to do something about sure. these issues. Yeah. You know, um, that's something everybody can do. You can educate yourself on what the positions are of our state or federal um, yeah. representatives and congressmen and, and senators yeah. and local as well. That's one thing you could do. Um, you know, what about just like closing doors? Like turning every, off lights. Yeah. Clo- <laughs> turn off lights. I feel like, Everybody under the age of 30 who can reach a doorknob in my house just like leaves outdoor yeah. <laughs> open yeah. all the time. I'm just following people around closing doors uh, <laughs> and turning off lights. Yeah. Just turning off lights I've, all the time. It's like the ultimate dad move. Yeah. It's like <laughs> my job in my house is turning off lights and closing doors. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, things as simple as that. Right. I mean, understand your footprint. I mean, I think, I think Barry used the term footprint, your, your food footprint. Yeah. You, you know, educate yourself on what you eat and, I appreciate Barry saying, you know, you don't have to advocate for a particular uh, food lifestyle, but know where your food's coming from. Mm. You know, um, we've made a decision. We don't, I don't, we don't buy any uh, protein or animal products that come from factory farms. Mm. So we still make a decision. We want animal protein as a part of our diet, but we're not going to buy meat that's grown in a, in a way that's bad for the animals and bad for the environment and bad for the environment. So like confined feeding operations, Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of that form of agriculture. And so then also, and maybe reducing the amount of protein and, and, you know, having, we have, we have a garden, I'm big into gardening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so whatever you're right is right for your health and your lifestyle, but educate yourself on where your yeah. food comes from, you know, be conscious, be conscious about the footprint you have. Yeah. That's what I would say. You okay. can do that no matter where you live, an apartment or whatever. Yeah. Uh, have you guys, like, we've only been in Hope Month for two weeks, but Marin and Barry, have you guys like talked about this with your families or like, are there things we could or should be doing differently? Like Barry, the first week you were like, you should see our energy bill. Yeah. Uh, are there things that you guys are talking about as like, we need to start doing this? Yeah. I made a really small change. Um, my daughter and I actually kind of together, I bought a set of mesh bags for when I purchase produce. So I'm no longer taking the the plastic ones um, that they always have on rolls at the grocery store. And then I bought two big plastic baskets that I keep in my car and I stopped bagging my groceries. I leave the groceries in the cart as I'm checking out. And then I take them out to my car and put them in these big old, big old baskets. And then I carry all my groceries in at once. And really like I'm annoyed by plastic bags to begin with. Yeah. Um, and so it just cuts down on on all that. And one of the reasons why is I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before. I'm the worst at recycling. I recycle, <laughs> I, I, I consistently recycle yeah. things that my children tell me cannot be recycled. And then they show me the number on the bottom and they're like, see mom, you can't recycle oh. it. They're like, mom, this is cement. Why do yeah. you think 100%. Yeah. this is paint, I mom. And made fun of it, my family all the time. Cause I don't know how to recycle. Yeah. So I was recycling those plastic store bags and oh. only recently realized that like on the bag, it yeah, says you, you have to take those. it back to the grocery store if you want to recycle it. 
Didn't know that. Yeah, those are those are like dog poop picker uppers. That's exactly yeah. what they are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, just little things, yeah. little things like that. Um, again, I feel like I'm a person that can get overwhelmed at just the the vastness of the problem. Yeah, and then feel like none of my efforts really mean anything anyway. So mm. why try? Yeah, like right. I can fall into that, and so I'm trying to just try anyway. You know, right. like do you what said, you can do. That's yes. a good one though. That's- yeah, that is good because after this past weekend, the sermon, I was like, man, maybe I do want to start gardening. But then I'm like, Barry has a spreadsheet about soil or like spreadsheet about all of <laughs> his all seeds. seeds. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. That's not what you need <laughs> yeah, to do. I don't want to do all that. So <laughs> he has a spreadsheet of like updates of how his seeds should be or are performing and things. But so I get discouraged too. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. But you can buy from local producers, right? And that's, yeah. if you, if you buy from a local organic producer, you're supporting that kind of a food yeah. system. I'm supporting someone who can, right? Yeah. Someone who, wants who to. knows about the soils. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Cause I don't right. know about the soils. I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also, I feel like this whole series in a way has been a challenge to me to like recapture the, the faith of a child, you know, that's mm. all over scripture to, come to him as a child and will, even as you're describing, you know, just even your early beginnings where you weren't the guy working on mechanics, you were the guy flipping over rocks down by the river. That's my son. And yeah, from the yeah. time he was a toddler and I thought it's cause we lived in the inner city and there was very little grass around us where we lived. We were, <laughs> we lived in a 10 story building that had a play lot on the side of the building <laughs> that had those, um, Rubber chips. Oh yeah. Oh, it was Nature. nasty. We lived in <laughs> yeah. the nastiest place. So yeah. we'd go visit my parents Rubber in the suburbs. And I remember my son getting out of the car and he'd walk into my parents' front lawn, fold himself in half and just run his fingers through the grass. Hmm. And I would think, okay, that, wow, that's because he's a city kid. And yes, this is grass. Okay. Wow. You're not familiar with this. But the more I think about it, the more I can see like your story, that's always been the way he is wired yeah. to just be in awe of creation and to not be afraid of creation and to want to be so hands-on. I will not flip rocks in the river because I don't want to see what's under them, yeah. <laughs> but, but he does. I remember one time um, we were driving, it was night, something was crawling on his arm and he smacked it and it was a lightning bug. Oh, He was about seven years old and he burst into tears oh. and he said, I killed God's creation. <laughs> See, the the tenderness <laughs> of his heart, he gets it. And so I feel like somewhere along the way, we lose some of that as we become more consumerist, as we get older, as we feel more entitled to things, whatever it is. Like, I don't know that it's a Christian problem as much as it's just, man, this is, this is our, this is the way we live. This is Western culture. We take things for granted, but it's making me come back to that faith of a child. Remember when, you know, you could stand by the edge of a riverbed and just like love all the sounds you heard Mm -hmm. and the things you saw. And yeah. Yeah. Good story. And I I do think, I do think uh, we'll get into this in a minute, but I do think the paying attention part is critical because I, if I'm in Colorado or something and I see mountains, I, I, I'm like, Oh wow, that's magnificent. And I feel like this is the work of God, like creation. But if I'm standing in my yard, mm-hmm. like I don't, 
feel that way. I don't ever pay attention to that. I don't, mm. if I, if I go into the woods, I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm thinking about like mosquitoes and poison Ivy and things like that. Right. So the paying attention part is, is critical because it's easy to miss for me, for people yeah. like me. And that's part of what I love about what you've brought to this program today. Will. you know, we can care about the oceans. It's important for us to care about plastic in the oceans and things like that, but we don't live anywhere near the oceans. I love that you have poured your passion for creation care right here into the state of Indiana, right yeah. here to where you live. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, are you leading one of the weekend of service projects? I am. Uh, it's a forestry project as you can imagine. Okay, yeah. Um, so, so what do you, what, what's your so team going to do? We planted trees, uh, probably about seven or eight years ago. Keith Carlson was involved with it and some others back on the North part of the campus next to the trees, Oh yeah, uh, to the forest. And they're doing actually really well. So this is, if you want to learn kind of what I've been talking about, what I've done over 30 years is this is about a seven year, uh, so I'd call it an early successional forest, but you know, it it requires management. So there's, you know, sometimes there's grapevines that are, you know, or, or Mm -hmm. that are hurting the trees or there's invasive species. Um, the calorie pear that you see growing all over the city now, or Asian bush honeysuckle, some of these species that, you know, are, will, will take over and dominate. We're going to basically work on trimming those back and, and, and releasing the trees that we planted to, to, to reach, it's all a competition. It's all a competition for soils, for uh, nutrients, water, and sunlight. Mm. And, um, you know, you're just that's trying, to, trying to give them an edge in yeah. the, uh, in the competition. Yeah. Exactly. But it's actually doing really well. I walked back there after church. You said, go back and look at it. You know, even though I helped <laughs> plant that, I wanted to go see it. Yeah. And then I'm also going to help a little bit with a pollinator garden. Um, just, just off of the picnic shelter there, we're going to put in uh, pollinator wildflowers, particularly there's a genus called Asclepius, which mm. is uh, the, the milkweed. Mm-hmm. And there's about four or five, um, plants within that genus in the state of Indiana. And that's the host plant for the monarch butterfly. So this is a great example of, uh, I think Barry, you mentioned um, ecosystems or, Mm -hmm. you know, the interconnectedness. If we, if we eliminate those plants, we eliminate the monarch from the earth. So you can look at a monarch butterfly and say, God made that. Like that's one of those things is, that is an impressive thing. It flies all the way to Mexico every year, Mm. every one of them. And they, they overwinter in one mountain range in Mexico. Wow. And then they come back and spread all over the North, North America. And then they fly back. So this butterfly flies, you know, whatever, thousands of miles. Wow. Yeah. So that, that forest that they live, that they winter in, if that forest goes away, the monarchs are extinct. Yeah. If we eliminate the, the family of species. So one plant, and when I've been in the rainforest down in Panama and in different parts of the world, um, cause I do like to travel to parts of the world that are more intact than Indiana, <laughs> even though I've invested. Yeah. Um, there are so many plants where the ecologists will say this plant and this bird are related. And if this yeah. bird goes away, this plant goes away. If this plant goes away, this bird goes away. So you think about that. What's well, like, Oh, what, wow. you know, like the whole spotted owl thing years ago, well, who, who cares about the spotted owl? Well, you take away the spotted owl, you impact something else. You take away yeah. the wolf from Yellowstone. Like Barry said, mm-hmm. you impact the elk population, which impacts the willows on the creeks, which impacts the water quality. So yeah. that's one thing I would want people to take away that are, that are learning about this. And the, ecosystems, everything is interconnected and God made it that way. It's so complex that we don't even know. We still are discovering species all every year. We're discovering species. There's billions of species. And, um, if we start, you know, wiping them out, there's a whole cascade of effects that come. Yeah, sure. 
Well, I'm looking forward to week in the service. It's in two weeks, a week and a half from now, from yeah, when this August 28, 29. And that's basically when we get to kind of close the doors to weekend services and worship services and go out into the community. Uh, we did it 10 years ago and it's kind of back for the first time in, in a while. Has it been 10 years? I think it's been like nine. Oh, wow. Nine or Jeez. eight or nine. Wow. Um, so we're going out and there's a bunch of uh, projects on the website that you can sign up for gracechurch.us and uh, pick a project, bring your family. You can sort through like what projects are the most appropriate for members of your family. And um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. And I think people, I mean, we've got hundreds of people already signed up, so it's kind of first come first serve. Go make sure you get signed up for that. Will you remind everyone again? I don't know if you just did, but it's, it's nine in the morning on Saturday and nine in the morning on Sunday. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Both days. Yeah. So yep. no five o'clock service, nope. no 11 o'clock service. That's what we're doing that week. Yep. Uh, Will, thank you so much for being here, man. Yeah. Uh, this, I, I love talking to people that are super passionate about something, especially if it's something I know nothing about and it was really helpful. And uh, it's encouraging to me that people like you exist who see God in the things that you're passionate about. Like I, I love, I love meeting people like you. So thank you yeah. for being here. You're welcome. Um, feel free to hang out for a while. I know you got to go in a little bit if we, uh, we run short on time, but feel free to hang out. We're going right. to jump you. into week two of our sermon series. I'm so glad God made this planet. Sure. <laughs> or hope month. We've just been calling week it two hope of month, month mainly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Barry, you gave the sermon. I did last weekend. So for anybody who has not seen it yet, can you kind of give us the big idea and run down so you can catch us up? Yeah. So in week one, we asked the big question, why should I care at all? And my response based largely on Psalm 104, but also a ton of other passages of scripture was the idea that God cares about his creation. He's actively involved. He's nurturing it. He's, he's bringing about life and abundance. And so if he cares and he's our creator, we should care too. That was mm -hmm. week one. Yeah. Week two then is, all right, so let's say I do care. What do I do or what should I do? How do I respond? And so what I did is I took us back to the kind of creation story and the, and the, the original look in Genesis at like, what are humans here for? What's yeah. our purpose? And what does it mean that we are God's image? And so we talked about that. And the long and short of it is that, that we, it, you know, it, the story tells it in different ways, but we are here to be stewards of creation. We're here to be the caretakers, the representatives or the royalty in God's name. We're like the princes and the princesses mm -hmm. who are here to, to make sure, to ensure the flourishing of God's creation that he has entrusted to us. Yeah. That's our original vocation. And then I talked about how it all kind of fell apart with the fall of man. We could talk more about that if you want. Uh, and then brought it back to the fact that ultimately, despite our rebellion, despite our, our the brokenness that we brought about, the curse that we brought about, God has been moving to, to heal and reconcile all things uh, since the very beginning. And he did it through Christ on the cross and the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And in so doing, he gave us, he opened the door again for us to regain our original vocation as the stewards of the earth. And so practically speaking, what does that look like for us? It, I, I gave three ideas for what it would look like for us to become stewards again. Yeah. First one was pay attention. Like you said, it's just learning how to look around and notice God's hand at work, to notice the creation around us, to notice the interconnectedness of, of all these species and plants and all that stuff. Um, 
pay attention. Number two is I, I suggested to steward your patch of Eden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I said, you know, God is not inviting us to heal the world. He's hide, inviting us to heal our world or your world. Like mm-hmm. it, that, that takes it from an overwhelming global impossible thing to a, oh, well, I do have a sphere of influence and I can choose I can choose to be a steward of creation in my sphere of influence, whatever that looks like. And then the third thing, which I think we'll kind of get a little bit into this next week as well, is to follow your passion. And um, I'm glad, glad Will is here because it's clear to see someone with so, yeah. so much passion to see what this looks like. But every one of us is wired differently. We all have different things that drive us and excite us. Uh, you know, I've heard some people who are like, well, I don't, I don't care about animals, but I do care about climate change or yeah. I don't really care about this, but I care about this. And so it's, my, my argument was we are all stewards, but, but some of us are stewards by gardening. Some of us are stewards yeah. by animal, you know, husbandry or whatever, whatever it is, we need to step into our role. And when we all do that, that's when the earth begins to heal because we trust that God is equipping his church to do the work of the healing. And that's not just creation care. That's all the six broken places. So, yeah. so uh, pay attention, steward your patch of Eden and follow your passion. Mm-hmm. That was my suggestion of where we can start. So let's start at the beginning. Um, Genesis 1 verse 27, 28. It's talking about God created us in our own image, but it says um, created us to reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and all the animals. Yeah. And for my life, I have heard people and I have like, interpreted that to mean dominion. We have dominion over that. And you're not arguing against it, but what it seems like the argument you're making is that we are to rule and steward and prince and princess. We we are like, we have dominion, but we get to choose what type of ruler we're going to be. Sure. Yeah. Um, We can be a benevolent ruler or we can be a despot. Yeah. And the question is, which one does God want us to be for the creation that he's entrusted to us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the greatest part of the sermon this past week was that you tied this topic in Genesis and decay to the gospel, because that's one of the things, I mean, we get feedback and uh, one of the questions is like, how does, uh, yeah, I care for the world, but how does this, does this relate to the gospel? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it is the story of the gospel. Like yeah. the greatest thing you, you preached the gospel last weekend. <laughs> like it, you're talking about decay and healing the brokenness of decay, but you talked about the fall. Yeah. You talked about Jesus reconciliation. Yeah. And you talk about what we can do about that. And I, I loved that. I you thought, even talked about evangelism that this might, you know, things like the weekend of service might be a way for you to invite somebody who normally wouldn't step foot in a church, right. but would, you know, might want to serve with you to join you heal to serve. the planet. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. So was that intentional? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, because I, like, I think we, we have, and we've talked about this before, I'm sure, but we, we, as, as sort of modern American Christians have, have, I believe bought into a very limited, uh, very, um, just very weak version of the gospel where it is just a matter of this sort of spiritual transaction between your soul and either heaven or hell. And it's all about just your eternal destiny and nothing else matters. And I don't believe that's what scripture points us to. What it points us to is this vibrant and holistic gospel of God healing 
not just our soul, but every part of our world and every part of our relationships with one another and with him and with the earth. And it's this, the, the idea is that God is bringing absolute healing to a broken creation. And to me, that gospel message, I, I look at what Jesus is talking about when he comes and he talks about the kingdom of God is at hand. And that looks like healing. It looks like mm. hope. It looks like freedom. It lo- and So it's more than just like, the kingdom of God is at hand. So you can go to heaven when you die, if you believe these certain things, it's it's much bigger than that. And that is what I'm trying to talk about over and over again. It's also what I'm trying to to point us to as we talk about creation care. This isn't just some social issue that we're trying to hitch our wagon to. It's the story of the storyline of scriptures of God healing our world. Yeah. And I'm saying we need to probably step into that. Yeah. So you spent the first like 20 minutes, just like, depressing all of us. Like it was just like sad and <laughs> I was, gloomy. I feel I mean, like the last two weeks in a row were like that. Like we're not doing good. Yeah. We're, we're how are we doing with that guy? We're despots. I mean, not good, <laughs> but, 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 uh, we call this hope month for a reason. Yeah. And I just need, I feel like me personally, I needed to hear that connection, like that official connection that like, when we talk about healing the broken places, it's not just to heal broken places. It's not just to do good things in the world. We're doing these things because God desires us to be reconciled with each other, with his creation and with himself. And that is why we heal broken places. That's why we heal decay. For me, it's an outgrowth of worship. Like I can take my worship beyond mere lip service by actively showing the creator that I'm grateful for the creation that he's entrusted me with. It's, it's, it's an outgrowth of worship for me. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Even though you won't turn over the rocks. Um, I like <laughs> to worship him on the land. <laughs> um, me too. I don't like the dark waters. Yeah. But no, like why would I choose to start trying to be more mindful of closing doors and turning off lights yeah. and putting plastic you know, baskets in my car instead of, you know, throw away plastic bags Mm -hmm. that can all be, wow, Lord, you care about your creation. I should be caring about your creation and I love you. And I want to show you that I love you with the things that I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the theme of this past weekend, like you mentioned is what, what can I do? What should I do? Yeah. And like you said, you gave a couple takeaways one the first one is pay attention Mm -hmm. do you guys feel like you are naturally good at this like just paying attention when you're out in the wilderness or when you're just like on a run or bike ride like are you paying attention to to what we're talking about right now no but i'm learning how to (laughs) okay so how are you how are you doing it is it just my story is like the opposite i never was (laughs) i I did not start turning over rocks i started like like i said last week i wanted to be in the ac i'm just i was just like you tyler like oh thanks a lot i didn't want to be outside (laughs) what what has been so fun for me over these last few years is that how dare you I've, i've been learning how to pay attention and it's really been like paying attention to the things that I'm seeing, paying attention to the things that I'm reading and learning and just, and, and what's been cool now that I finally have like a house and a place to kind of put down roots. I've started to notice it's work. I'm coming up on my second fall in the house. Uh, so I'm, I'm going through two seasons now of seeing how the, the, how the plants turn over. And when I, I now realize like, Oh, my catalpa trees, they put on leaves later than all the other trees. Uh, it, but they, but they lose their leaves 
so quickly. Like I'm starting to pay attention to those things and starting to see the the rhythms and cycles are like, oh, here's when all the the baby bunnies are out. This is when all the whatever, you know, little things that you start to realize and seeing like, oh, this seems to be the food that the this is the kind of grass that the horses like to eat and they never go into this patch right here. I wonder why. And looking at, oh, look at all yeah. that clover over there. Just little, little things I'm starting to pay attention. And a lot of it, I don't have any clue why or what I'm seeing, mm-hmm. but I'm like, You're just I noticing see it, it now. I've now started to realize something that every ecologist has known forever, but there are like patterns in the ways that certain plants, the strategies that certain plants have to get sunlight or nutrients or water. Yeah. And they each have different ones. And you start to see patterns. Like there's a type of leaf shape that is common. And I'm, those are the kinds of things I'm like, I don't know why, or I don't know what it's called. I'm sure it has a name. There's probably like a whorl or something like that is a name that goes there. <laughs> yeah. That just rings a bell, but I don't know what that means, but like, that's something now I'm seeing it and I'm like, I want to learn more. I want to get, I want to, I want to dive in deeper. So yeah. I'm learning how to pay attention. What about you, Mary? I think I'm learning how to pay attention outside of hiking. And, yeah. you know, I, I grew up near, um, Lake Michigan. And there are certain areas you can hike along Lake Michigan, Mount Baldy, you know, that would be something that would make me say, wow, Lord, that's cool. Yeah. But then, you know, I come home and I'm on my daily grind and I'm not noticing nature or Mm -hmm. the beauty in my yard. I'm just not noticing that. Um, (laughs) Is that like a secret shot at Jed for not... (laughs) Caring for your yard or something? I would never do that. Not on this podcast. Um, No. Uh, Again, I think, like you said, when you're standing at the Grand Canyon, when you're looking at mountains, when I go visit my sisters, you know, in the mountains of North Carolina and I look out over the Blue Ridge, like it's easy to be like, wow, Lord, Mm. creation's amazing. Mm -hmm. Look what you did. And I lose sight of that. Um in my day to day, just coming and going from my garage, letting my garage door close behind me. And that's, yeah. that's the end of it. Um, it used to be that way in Chicago too, with tall buildings everywhere, like blocking my line of sight. Sure. I never looked at the sky for years. I never oh. saw a sunset. Whoa. Just never saw a sunset. Cause I, there was a building <laughs> blocking yeah. my view everywhere I went. And so even coming out here and sometimes taking a drive and just seeing the vastness, um, of the sky because our land is so beautifully flat here. It just, even moments (laughs) like that of of awe again, trying to rediscover the awe connect with my creator because of what he has created and then take my love and my devotion beyond mere lip service and awe into, okay, how can I help you? How can I steward what you've created? How can I help? How can I worship you by caring Mm. for your creation? Mm -hmm. And really like, my kids are way further down that road than I am. Um, I remember my son took his first, I want to say fuse retreat and they gave the kids an hour to spend alone with a journal or something like that. And my son came home from that trip and told me he connects with God in creation. That's where he goes to connect with God. Yeah. And as a mom, I'm like, Oh my gosh, could there be anything better? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you dream for, for your child to be able to discover that at such a young age. And everyone would think it's music, right? It's not. <laughs> it's Yeah, that's, that's actually pretty fascinating. Cause I, I mean, I would have assumed like, it's cause he's so smiley on the drums. It's just like, of course <laughs> it's drums and yeah. 
That's where Jesus went to connect with God, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. He went to like the mountain. Yeah. The yeah. mountains, the yeah. wilderness. Uh, can, I, can I give another example though? Yeah. Cause I, all the ones that we've been saying have all been outdoors. Uh, I've started to pay attention to, uh, my rabbits. Now oh. when we adopted when we were about to adopt our first rabbit. I thought they were just like giant hamsters. I didn't know anything about rabbits. I just assumed they were just like these little mindless rodents. I didn't know. And then we get Humphrey and you know, with a rabbit, you don't, inter- that you don't like cuddle with them as much. You're more just watching them, observing them. And so Olive and I would just watch Humphrey do things and just be amazed. He got on our counter or on our, on our, uh, uh, coffee table one time early on, like day three. And we like shoot him off the coffee table. Cause we didn't want him up there. And he got down on the ground. He turned his back to us and he started thumping his back legs against the ground. He was throwing a tantrum mm. and I'm like, what? He has a personality and <laughs> yeah. then come to find out other rabbits have different personalities. They have different tastes in food, even siblings. This one doesn't like mint, but this one loves it. And I'm like, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and and so even just observing in my own house, these little yeah. creatures and that their unique uniqueness and per- like Humphrey and Rue could not be more different in their temperaments. <laughs> and it's just like, I did not even know that was possible. Yeah for a rabbit to have a personality, but they do. And so it's like that kind of paying attention doesn't even need to be seen vistas or, or plant whorls. Yeah. It, it, it can be yeah. within your own house. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I know we're watching time for you. So if you got to go, it's thanks. good. Thanks. It's thanks been, again thanks for, for being, thanks for being with us. Yeah. Good to see you. All right. So the second thing, uh, after pay attention was steward your patch of Eden. Yeah. Your patch with your underlined. Yeah. Your. Um, this is what made me kind of think, oh, maybe I should garden. But then I was like, I, I don't know if I'm cut out for this because my patch of Eden, like we have garden things, but I've talked about how we like, it's like, Hey, let's compost. And then just kind of drop it. You have a greenhouse. Yeah. We have a greenhouse in our yard. (laughs) That's just full of like lawn equipment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, well, I can give you an example of what you could be doing. Yes. Cause you're, you're Help thinking, me. you're thinking annuals, which I don't think you have the, the wherewithal to enjoy, <laughs> enjoy annuals. Oh my you should, goodness. You should, you should get shots fired left just, and right today. I'm just saying, Jeez. You should get into perennials. Like you should grow indigenous wildflowers. You should grow some of these milkweed plants that, that Will was talking about. You grow them, you put them in the ground and you just, you're done. And then they just grow. And like then flowers. what happens? What do I, and then, like then weed around them. There's like some maintenance can, involved. You can yeah. do that or you can, yeah, the, you could put mulch down around them, like in your landscaping yeah. around your house, use, do indigenous wildflowers, do, do milkweed, do these other things. And then they come back year after year and they attract pollinators. They attract mm-hmm. specific, you know, bees or yeah. butterflies or whatever. That's something you could do. Curtis Honeycutt, uh, long time grace attender was the best yeah. man of my wedding. Uh, Curtis, <laughs> He is very, he's on a very passionate streak about this. And he's been sharing with me some, you know, uh, some resources and stuff like that. There's a really great, uh, I'm going to have to tell Ashleen to get, to post this in the Instagram notes, because there's a really great resource that he shared with me about how you can find information about what to plant in your yard to make, make your, make more biodiversity happen right there. So, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do something, but I, I just don't like bugs. Well, this would be the opposite of that because this would draw a lot more bugs to your property <laughs> and birds. Don't have blood in them, <laughs> <laughs> and birds and frogs. Yeah, they like all bird. Come. Yeah, yeah. I like all that stuff. But so I went to the Allisonville Nursery. I don't know. Is it still That's called a, that? I think it's Sullivan's. 
Whatever it is, it's a really cool place. <laughs> it is a very cool place. Liv, but Liv wants yeah. to go there on a date with me. So oh, it's it's awesome. But I literally went there and said, I need a plant that thrives on negligence. <laughs> yeah. Those like, are the plants it, for me. It's good to be ignored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like a cactus? Like, what are we talking about? I don't know. Like, I have a pothos in my sunroom, and it loves the sun. Like, mm-hmm. it, it gets tons of sun all day long. But I'll water it when it looks like it's almost dead. And yeah. then yeah. it will come back to life, and it will thank me, and then it will yeah. almost die again. And I'll yeah. say, oh, better water that plant. Yeah. Well, again. like last night, we had dinner, and I made stuff on the grill. But one of the things I made on the grill... Lauren comes in with an armful of vegetables that she's been making or not growing. making, growing. <laughs> uh, and so we cut all those up, put them on the grill and it was great. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. So I was like, I want to do that, but I don't really know if I want to do that because it just seems really hard. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. I think it's something your kids would really enjoy. And you do, do you still have those raised garden beds in yeah. your backyard? Yeah. Yep. Like even just that, like, Something that they got to watch from start to finish. No, it's, yeah. it is great because yeah. both of my boys every night go out to the garden with Lauren and Lauren's like, Hey, let's go see what's in the garden. And so they both enjoy, like they both toddle out there and love yeah. just looking at it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Here's what I would suggest for you or anyone else who's feeling like overwhelmed by the growing things. Yeah. From my own experience, you sh- there's two strategies that you should grow uh, to grow things. One is follow my strategy, which is just like put a ton of stuff in the ground and just see what happens. And like, don't, you don't need to worry so much about literally some, some pumpkins and tomatoes are growing out of my compost heap. And now we have three beautiful pumpkins just sitting by my compost heap. I didn't do that. It just happened. So you could do that, throw stuff in the ground, tomatoes, see whatever happens or pick one thing that you really love. Like if you love zucchini, don't plant anything else, plant a bunch of zucchini, and just care for it all right. and, and care for all of them the same way. Make sure they're all getting the right amount of water and just like pick that one thing and do it right. That yeah. is another option. If you yeah. try to plant a ton of stuff and care for all of it, you'll be overwhelmed. Like I am right now. Uh, <laughs> you are right now. With, well, I just, with I can't food. keep up with like, yeah. like weeding and all that for all the, all the things I planted, yeah. but we're still getting a ton of tomatoes and a mm. ton of celery and a ton of all these different things that were grown. So it's like, quant- yeah. it's quantity over quality in my case or you go over yeah. quality over quantity. The kale at your house looks like ornamental bushes. It's, it's taller so, than me. It's beautiful. Kale is the easiest thing to grow. If you want to grow, if you like kale, grow kale. It's so easy. It loves, yeah. it's okay in like part shade. It's very forgiving with water. It makes me want to like rip out my bushes and just plant kale. <laughs> I mean, hey, they're pretty. It's <laughs> yeah. beautiful. All right. I think we got it. Uh, what, where are we going next? So I, I'm so pleased that the way that these three questions have worked to each other, but this next week we're talking about something that came up here several times in our conversation with Will. We're going to ask, what if it's not enough? And what if it feels like what I'm doing is so minor? And I think it'll be a good kind of cap off to the series. It'll be, I'll I'll do some recap and kind of bring some ideas together. And um, yeah, it'll just be hopefully encouraging. And what I'm realizing about this topic, as you'll see this weekend, is that it is this, what I'm about to share this weekend is applicable to, to, all of the issues like yeah. injustice and, and all the other things yeah. that are so overwhelming. It's the same principle. Uh, it's, it's just, what do we do? when it feels like the things before us are just far too, yeah. far too big. And I, I know like we're laughing at how much I don't know about this. And I, I'm not convinced that this is like my broken place. Like I don't, I look at will and I'm like, 
no way. I can never do that. Or I look, Barry comes on here every week talking about how he's like composting with a shirt off and (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to, I I can't do, I can't, I can't compete. So, uh, (laughs) but I do see after this week, I do see it now. Like I see how this broken place contributes to injustice. Yeah. I see how the poor and marginalized people. And, and I would say in my life, like I'm, I advocate for justice. Yeah. Uh, I see how poor and marginalized people are more impacted by decay than maybe I am or, you know, we are. So, um, I see how this is all kind of interconnected. And so that'll be really good. I think that's interesting. Like you said, injustice seems to be like the thing that gets you going and and the thing that motivates you to action. And for me, it's worship. And I've this, this whole series for me has just been, this is, this is another way to worship the creator. Yeah. And for me, it's joy and delight. I'm (laughs) I'm finding there's so much to be delighted in. Yeah. In creation. All right. So that'll be next week. And then the week after that is weekend of service. Weekend of service. Uh, I won't be here next week. So you're on your own again. Yeah, again. I'm going. Yeah, it's it's vacation season for us. <laughs> All right, Mary, so I, I'm out. I'm out again. When is vacation season? Because I missed that. It's memo. just August. Okay, let's bring us. in let's bring in someone else from Project Eden to interview. Yeah. There you go. next week. Yeah, and then uh, two weeks. Hannah Miller, who's on Project on Eden, Project, will yes. be joining us. So yeah, feel feel free to go for it next week. Great, uh, yeah, but. As a reminder, friends of the pod, go please sign up for Weekend of Service. I don't, I don't even know if I've signed up yet, but we're doing. I think we're doing the birdhouses. I don't know, bug hotels, something. I don't. What, yeah, <laughs> with what, the kids, with the boys. Yeah, yeah, fun. Cool. All right, Marin, will you please send God us out? Rule. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. God does rule. <laughs> yeah. Mary, please send us out. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 